Well, thank you everybody for joining us at our uh, sales ops grab ops uh, meetup today. Uh, how many of you are part of the Chicago sales ops meetup group? Got two? <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Well, if you want to join, uh, just go to meetup.com. I think that's where you find it. Uh, my name is Caitlin. I work for Data Fox um, out in San Francisco. I work with folks like Aaron and Jeremy and their, their counterparts in sort of every aspect of the ops um, world. Uh, and we started these sales ops meetups uh, back in San Francisco and really excited to partner with the Chicago group um, this week. So uh, before we dive in here, I'd just love to get to know you guys a little bit more. Um, we can do some quick intros and talk about what you guys do and, and who you sell to. Okay, they told us the mic would be weird. I know. Can you hear me? Hey, there we go. All right. Uh, uh, I'm Jeremy Von Holly. I am the VP of Revenue Operations at Jellyvision. Uh, Jellyvision sells a product called Alex, which is a engaging, interactive conversation that helps you pick your healthcare benefits, which really sucks. You've probably done it, um, but it'll make you smarter and more engaged and having a better you know, profile what you're doing with your money and all that stuff. We sell into primarily, pretty much across the board, but uh, HR departments, uh, CROs, CHROs, uh, VP of Benefits, um, Total Awards, those are really our main kind is. We also have a big uh, channel sales arm, so we have a lot of uh, brokers and Gallagher and Mercer locked in who are also technically customers. Cool. Hey everybody, uh, Aaron Biggs at Showpad, so I run our business operations team. Uh, Showpad is a sales enablement platform. Uh, if you're not familiar with sales enablement, which I don't blame you, many people have differing uh, definitions of it. Uh, what we primarily do is uh, enable sellers and their managers uh, with the right content and knowledge and skills and insights to be successful in what they do uh, through contextual recommendations uh, based on how uh, the prospects that they're selling to uh, and uh, themselves are interacting uh, with uh, those different pieces of content or uh, training. So uh, exciting tool um, that uh, we sell to a variety of different markets, right? One of the exciting things about Showpad is that uh, the application of it really spans across all different verticals. So we have great customers and logos in uh, healthcare and manufacturing, but also in uh, tech and uh, financial services and a bunch of other areas, right? So including Jellyvision, which is a wonderful customer. Wonderful. Okay, cool. Um, so let's dive in here. So um, in your dedicated sort of RevOps group, do you still have separate functions for sales and marketing ops? And do those roll up to you? I guess I'll start. Uh, so yes, in my uh, space, we have uh, both sales ops and marketing ops. Um, we have them uh, separate, so both of them roll up into me. Uh, but we're, uh, uh, and, and you'll hear this probably a couple times tonight, right? We're a very close-knit collaborative team, uh, and that's, that's key to our success. Uh, so uh, uh, a very tight team and collaboration between uh, those two functions. Uh, yeah, similarly, we have a uh, platforms and automation team uh, that kind of consolidates all of those into one team. Um, so we have a bunch of different specialists that kind of work across many different platforms to do with marketing apps, sales apps, customer <coughs> success, mm -hmm. uh, whatnot. Very cool. Um, I work with Jason on your team, and he showed me this marketing uh, update that he used to do, which was the sales and marketing combo, where you yeah. just come together. <laughs> it's pretty, it pretty neat. Um, cool. And then what would you say are some of the operational pros of having a dedicated RevOps function? Good. Uh, 
For us, I think it's to better serve the entire organization uh, agnostically. We think about optimization not just necessarily for one team, but from end to end and to make sure that, hey, this tool we're gonna purchase, like what other things can we do with it to help with many different areas? Um, this metric, does it make sense across all the different teams? Uh, it's a way better view and kind of think holistically across all the different functions. Yeah, so I mean, I'll, I'll echo that and then I'll, I'll add uh, that I think one of the key things that, that RevOps or BizOps or whatever you want to call it uh, adds to a business is uh, we really drive alignment, right? So a lot of my conversations are with our CMO or our CRO and it's how are we driving the business forward and making sure that that, that alignment of, of understanding and data and KPIs are there. Uh, and, and try and avoid some of the pitfalls of uh, uh, attribution arguments, right? Or uh, individual attainment arguments or the back and forth that might happen if you're tracking those, uh, those key metrics separately within those different functions. Uh, driving that out of the business is key and really helps us to, to focus on the, the horizon ahead and less about uh, who did what or, or how the different teams are performing. Switzerland approach is pretty <laughs> really, uh, helpful. Uh, I also just want to make sure that, from, from my perspective, it's not just a semantic difference, sales ops to revenue ops or business ops. You know, sales ops at, at a time can be super siloed and they can look very like one-dimensional across just one team or maybe one or two teams. Uh, our two functions really looked across multiple teams and it is that alignment that I think is part of the key differentiator here. Um, it's not just uh, swapping the words. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome, and were you guys both at your respective companies when the business decision was made to create a RevOps um, function? Uh, yes, um, so I came in as an individual contributor, mm -hmm. uh, director of sales operations, it was for sure the wild, wild west trying to wrangle things. Um, and then over the last year and a half, I've been at Jelly Bean two and a half years, I did that for a year, um, we've stood up the entire revenue operations function, primarily because we saw those gaps and. You know, marketing saying they're crushing their goal and sales misses wildly, it doesn't really make sense um, across those two different functions. So uh, we've been on this journey for about a year and a half, so it's been an exciting and uh, pretty awesome experience. Uh, so I joined Chopin at the end of 2017 when we opened up our office here in Chicago. Uh, and when I joined, we actually created the business operations function um, along with my joining. So prior to that, we had exactly what we're describing, right? Separate teams reporting and, and supporting separate uh, leaders. Uh, and, and from the, the get-go, right, I've been here focused on what are we doing to drive that forward and how are we bringing those teams uh, and those individuals together. And did those goals when you were first starting these sort of larger orgs, um, have they changed in the past year, year and a half? What was sort of the goal when you first started it versus kind of where you are today? Uh, so yes, um, and I think many of us are used to, uh, especially year to year, but even you know inside the year, uh, changes in strategic direction or, or what have you. Uh, but I think you know originally, at least when I joined, uh, given the fact that we were creating the function, a lot of the goals were around how do we stand this up, how do we get the right resources in place, what is the right structure to build that up for success? Because not only were we consolidating existing resources, but we were scaling and growing the function as well. Uh, and then uh, as we progressed over the last uh, 18 months or so, uh, Showpad itself has grown, right? So we've made acquisitions, we've kind of shifted some of our strategy, and along with that, the, uh, some of the metrics, the direction that we're driving, some of the priorities for the team have certainly changed. Uh, but that's, I think that's also the name of the game here, is that you're not gonna be in an ops function where you have 
uh, static goal for five years and it doesn't change. Um, we, we live in, and thrive and, and support that uh, direction and change for the business. And if, if we're not there driving that, then um, you know, what's, what's really moving that, that for the business? Um, similarly, yeah, I think at least initially it's a lot of table stakes type work. You want to make sure that first of all, like your data is correct and you can actually get insights from that. So I think that's like step number one. Um, but I think more than that, it's just kind of the evolution about how do you, after you get some of these table stakes things, actually raise the bar? How do you make a buying and selling experience so great that reps actually want to work for your company because it's they have the tools ready, they have the reports, they got the insights. How do people that come in know what to do and feel like they're contributing? Um, that's, I think, like always our overarching goal. Uh, but like Aaron said, um, there really is no finish line. It's a, always progression. There's mm-hmm. always something that's broken. There's always something you gotta fix. Uh, it's just inevitable kind of wheel. Um, it's a fun process, you know, mm-hmm. building, fixing, breaking, uh, but it's never ending. Yeah. And who were some of the key players early on who helped you sort of define um, your roles and your functions and sort of what those goals were? Um, some of them are here tonight. No, I'm just <laughs> um, so uh, realistically, yeah. So Freddie was actually one of the first hired to the role, um, and having someone that can kind of not just be one Salesforce person, but kind of operate multiple different tools and have that vision. Uh, but realistically, there's kind of basically three people at the, the time. Uh, number one was customer insights. You operated very silo on the voice of the customer, kind of breaking that open, it's like, let's talk about the voice of like the buyer in general and start using what you've built over here, mm-hmm. over here. Uh, secondly was someone named Caitlin Martin, who's just phenomenally talented like executor, uh, who's really helped us optimize all of our marketing and go to, like, go to market stuff. Uh, and then third was uh, Zach Boyce, who is this per- perfect blend of marketing ops, sales ops, and kind of have those both brains together, who can really manage a team of all the different tools and under one roof. Uh, yeah, so I think uh, similarly, I had uh, I had the advantage of inheriting Jason, right, who's yeah. running sales ops on my team and uh, has a lot of that uh, uh, internal knowledge when I started, so he could understand where the, the pros and the cons and the battles that had already been fought were. Um, we had some great additional hires that we brought on board, but I think, uh, you know, the other key one, and, and I think we may address it later as well, but for me too was... Uh, actually, you know, my manager who brought me in to drive this function to really start setting the goal for what we were trying to accomplish with this team and why we needed to have a, a dedicated uh, ops function separate from uh, the other silos across the business uh, really for me was the main enabler of what are we doing and why are we doing it and what are we trying to accomplish. Definitely. Um, and what would you say um, in terms of sort of those Kind of figuring it out were there any growing pains that you guys experienced that you've kind of had to work through uh yeah i think you know that's that's part of the game as well right so um at least for me one of the big battles uh that we started with was uh, evaluating the landscape of the the different tech stacks across the organization right what are what are the tools we're using what are the different uh, teams or individuals finding valuable versus not uh what are the trade-offs that we're going to make right so uh if with any good or bad tool, there's probably someone in the organization that says, hey, I, I love that, I can't lose that, and there's someone that says, I can't wait for that to go away. Uh, and, and so you're never gonna have everyone happy, right? But going through that exercise, making some of those tough decisions, uh, that was definitely probably an, an early challenge for us, um, and, and represents some good, uh, 
support from early cheerleaders and pushback from others, but that set the stage for how we scaled and, and grew the, the team and the business uh, moving forward was being able to get ourselves to that uh, clean slate of these are the core tools, this is what we need to transact and be uh, efficient, and then let's build on top of that. Yeah, I think uh, kind of the biggest thing is just trying to drive to that consistent state. I think a lot of the times when we first started, I would see like, a, who's here seen all of a sudden seen a report that you didn't know where it came from and it has a bunch of numbers on it and you're like, I don't know why this exists. Yeah, it's frightening. <laughs> that's like the biggest nightmare. You're like, I don't know why this person's running with this number that's wildly different from that. So getting people to number one trust you um, and a lot of that has to do with you know being super, super consistent about how you report things, how you define it, being very clear. Because um, I think it is kind of a little bit scary for someone to be like, okay, I'm going to give up all of this and you guys are going to be the central reporting function for the, the organization. Um, so being super clear and transparent, I think, helps kind of negate some of those initial fears. Yeah. And how do you manage the sort of competing priorities between, you know, whether it's marketing or sales or like throwing CS in there? Yeah, so, you know, from my, my perspective, it's like not necessarily team by team. It's just what is the goal of the company? And you kind of start from there. Like, what are we trying to achieve? now or in the future, and then you optimize beyond that. You know, one of the things that we both do, I think, is we really look at it holistically in that fashion. So you can't really segment them out. There's different, like, smaller things, and you don't want to be the, the, the bottleneck. A lot of it's just triage, you know, are, are we holding up anything else? And my biggest thing is I never want us to be the bottleneck, so yeah. making sure we're clear about what's going on. But again, a lot of it kind of drives some overarching business strategy, because a lot of those teams should be theoretically aligned to what's going on. Yeah, I think the only thing I would add is that uh, uh, I also own you know, our, our project management function, so a lot of what we're doing is very much driving towards those strategic goals for the business and making sure that the, the big initiatives, the big efforts that I have the team geared towards are either supporting those directly or ancillarily and, and pushing that forward. Uh, and then of course, yes, like there's, uh, with every individual on my team, there's always a, uh, a focus on these big rocks, but then a number of the ad hoc daily requests or problems or break fixes that come along uh, that need to be served to, to move the business forward. And then a lot of it is about load balancing, right? Between how do you drive the strategic initiatives and objectives forward, but then also make sure that the, the, the management, the leadership, the individual, whoever it is, uh, is getting what they need to go and be successful in their business. I mean, to your point, making sure that uh, ops never becomes that, that roadblock to being successful as a, as a company. Awesome. All right, let's talk metrics. How do you keep everybody honest? What are you guys sort of, what are your kind of KPIs across your team? Um, so I think there's kind of two questions. Like mm -hmm. what, what metrics do, how, how do we measure ourselves? Yeah. Okay, so uh, I think number one, if you're starting on this journey, you're gonna deal with a lot of like leading indicators. If you jump right to, I wanna measure based on how much revenue we close, it's too late. Because for a lot of us, that's already in motion. Uh, so leading indicators, pipeline creation, velocity, conversion. Uh, you can do some surveys and some, some things to get some immediate feedback. Uh, I think a lot of those are super tool adoption. That's huge. You know, if you're going to go down the strategy and buy a bunch of stuff, and hopefully people are using it. That's something you need to be really, really aware of. Um, later on, obviously, um, as you're down this journey as we are, uh, the terminal metrics are, you know, rep performance. How many of them are getting quota? How is the bookings target completing? What does churn rate look like? NPS, a lot of those those bigger media metrics, I think, are how I view us being uh, measured now. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you know, besides the 
the, the basic KPIs that you're going to have as a business and you need to support. Uh, I think the big one for us that we've uh, continued to iterate on and drive forward, and I'd, I'd be remiss uh, as a, a sales enablement company not speaking about it, right? So I think it's always about your, uh, your, your selling team and how are you enabling them. So uh, in addition to what is the, the quota achievement across your team, we also spend a lot of time tracking, you know, what is their time, their first, second, third sale, um, how long does it actually take us to get someone uh, logged in and managing their territory inside of the CRM or whatever that might be. Uh, we have a lot of metrics that our team drives along with the enablement team uh, in that manner, right? Because especially as a, a growth company, we're, we're constantly scaling and adding new headcount and driving new sales reps and uh, you have to make sure that those guys are effective and engaged in their roles and out there um, prospecting and driving your business. and. We're not paying for people to be sitting and learning about CRM or some other tool or process. And so uh, those really have become kind of primary metrics for what does our team enable and what does our team uh, deliver to the organization. Just to add to one thing, I think for us, one of the biggest mistakes we did early on uh, is that there's too much focus, uh, I think you probably agree, on, on the individual rep. You need to enable your managers. Those managers are the key to all success. If you're not paying attention to that, uh, whoa. Down the house, <laughs> you uh, it's 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 critical. Um, well, it was just Brian, uh, Brian knocking it out. Great, that's higher effort. I think for us, um, you know, Ali, who's been helping kind of increase all of our tool adoption, uh, if you don't get the managers on board, you're going to have a big issue. And um, do you have any metrics that are shared across? like sales and marketing ops, or are they pretty separate? Um, you mean by, by team? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, so it kind of differs um, by team. So like our uh, platforms automation team is heavily incentivized by, number one, what do reps think about the tech stack we provided? Like what is our internal NPS score mm -hmm. on that? Like we need to be acutely aware of like our investments panning out to be the way that we want it to. Like is it easy for them to use? Are we having a good excelling experience? Uh, additionally, again, like I said, like adoption of the tool, we bought you, we bought you, like people that are using it, not cheap. So that's about negotiating abilities. Um, and then for someone on like Ali's team, which has a lot of the like marketing execution, you know, like are these being impactful? Like is it easier? Do reps understand what's going on? Do they like them? Uh, you really need to be in tune to like that type of feedback, I think, uh, as well. Um, so yeah, I guess by team, different kind of functional KPIs that roll up to hopefully either the leading or lagging. So I think the same internally on, on my team as well. I think the, the other major difference is just the, uh, or not difference, but the, the external facing metrics, right? So across the teams they're supporting, there's a lot of commonality there as well, right? And so uh, as you would expect, we've done a lot to make sure that when we look at our uh, pipeline generation or our uh, uh, revenue attribution, that they're all being measured and shared across sales and marketing uh, in the same way. And, and again, right, remove the barrier to argument around what's the reality and, and focus on where is the business and what are we trying to do to, to drive it forward and proactively generate pipeline together and not make it a, a shooting gallery between those two teams. And I know that there are tools in your tech stack like DataFox that aren't necessarily, your reps aren't logging in every day, so how do you sort of measure that tool adoption? Um, do you wait till somebody complains or <laughs> um, how do you go about that? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I guess I would say if you're waiting until someone complains, that's a failed strategy, <laughs> right? Uh, but I think the, 
I think the, the right goal is you, you try and be as proactive as you can in we have these tools, we're invested in these tools, let's make sure that we're, we're getting the value out of it. Um, I, I guess I would say, and you know, maybe some of my sales reps in the back would disagree with me, but uh, most of what we invest in are valuable tools that they're going to use because they need them, right? And part of that, that exercise in focusing and streamlining your tech stack is making sure that you truly are invested in the tools that add value. And whether it's, it's Datafox or, or Salesforce or something else, you know, we're not gonna buy it and pay for it and deploy it if we know they're not gonna use it. Um, there's always some drop-off rate, right? You're not gonna get every rep to use every tool every day. Uh, but as long as you have the, the, the training and the process for them that's super clear on, I use these for this, and, and you try and avoid right, that uh, swivel mentality of constantly moving between different tools, uh, then that's what we're really driving, is that, that efficiency and effectiveness for those reps focused on, this is my primary prospecting tool, this is where I go to learn more about a, a contact or a, a company, um, this is where I go to engage with my, my customers, whatever it might be, uh, and let them focus on that and, and execute for you. Um, for us internally, we've spent a lot of time thinking about how we evaluate our tech stack constantly. I think there's, um, I've put in basically five different buckets of the different vendors we work with. Some of them are really easy to measure, you know, tool adoption, but um, you know, for us on the uh, rep efficiency side, so a Salesforce uh, outreach, um, we kind of look at, okay, what is our per seat cost of Salesforce? That's like our the highest. That should be your highest. You know, that's your, your meat right there. Um, I've had companies come in and price almost the same cost as Salesforce, and I'm like, you're not the same as Salesforce. You can't price the same. You have to price based on the, like the value of what I'm seeing. And a company like yourself, which does a lot of like data ad, um, for us, I've kind of said like we must at least get double the prices we're paying for you and data back uh, for us to validate you. You know, based on what we're doing. Uh, for a tool like um, Showpad, which we're on the platform, so we have LearnCore as well. Um, for us, it's you know some part of the tool adoption, but it's also like, is it actually making reps better? So it really depends on the kind of profile that the tool is, um, looking at those buckets, and honestly, like your tech stack is a living, breathing thing. Do not set it and forget it. You need to be very agile and make sure that you evaluate it constantly because, you know, there there are people that come up. I think Clarity's here too. Like they're someone that. We had a vendor that we weren't necessarily satisfied with, and there's another vendor that comes in that are super more innovative and are willing to work with you. Take a bet and like work with them. Be super transparent of what you want. Um, have a vision. Don't. I know there's a lot of salespeople in the room, but don't go into a room and don't go into a room being like, let them sell you. You should be like, this is what I want. Like, do you guys solve this pain? Uh, be more proactive about it. Mm -hmm. And is there anything specific that you each measure yourself on um, that you haven't touched on yet? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I think there's a couple of different ways to look at that. Um, from a revenue operations perspective, being a year and a half in, like we better hit our number. Like I, I, my like, mo a lot of my compensation should be tied to the comp like the company hitting their number because that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make reps more efficient. I'm trying to make a buying experience that's better. And if you don't do that, there's going to be disincentives. Um, similarly, like as a manager of a team that's growing, you know, you want people to kind of elevate and take that next step and kind of own these different tools and do the things that you did early on, you know, trying to get Salesforce to work and kind of be in the weeds there. I think that to me is uh, seeing someone do something that I never thought of is by far one of the most rewarding experience um, to see someone, hey, like this is an idea, I'm like, that's really awesome. I would never guess that. That to me is the gold standard. Yeah, I think the only thing I would add is, uh, I, for me as well, I think the, the biggest thing that I, I want to measure myself on is a, as a leader in this organization is, is making sure that we're 
uh, we're creating and, and managing the, the future of our business as well, right? So uh, a lot of uh, different backgrounds come into operations jobs. I'm sure if we ask around the audience, a lot of you have come from different roles as well. And I wanna make sure that there's a development opportunity for those people on my team, that there's a, a career path, right? And remember that I, I, this, this team didn't exist in our company when I joined, right? So I wanna make sure that those people that we've either merged together or hired have a future and they have a direction to drive down. And, and for me, right, some of the most rewarding things that have happened have been you know, finding those people on your team who are really contributing at a high level. And so again, like Jason is a great example of uh, just an excellent contributor who's, who's been able to grow with Showpad. And you know, I've been happy to be able to watch him mature into that and grow with our organization as well. And, uh, you know, I was talking with a, a couple of you prior to, to coming up here as well. And, and for me, a lot of it is about um, building a good team and building a, a good business and, and succeeding here in Chicago, which I hope we all are trying to do. But, uh, you know, I want to make sure that we're also kind of building that that next uh, uh, generation or, or, or set of, of leaders as well, right? So uh, it, it can't just be about me. I will eventually move on to something else, I'm sure. And uh, it, we have to stand forever. <laughs> I'm gonna come work for you. <laughs> awesome. And um, last question: Any imparting words of wisdom for uh, folks who are newly newly formed RevOps groups or maybe starting uh, to think about it? Get your data as good as it possibly can be. It's never going to be perfect. Like everyone always has problems, but if your data, you don't have control over your data, you're going to not have a good time doing this. Um, you need that consistency, you need that reliability, and you need that trust. And uh, you can't do that without having solid data. Put the effort in. Hire contractors. Hire people that get in there. It's going to take elbow grease. It's not fun. It really, really, really sucks. But you have to do it. You literally have to do it. Uh, and I think the only other thing to say, right, is then uh, make sure that uh, hopefully, because you're in that role, whether it's newly formed or combined or, or what have you, make sure you've got, right, that alignment with your leadership. Make sure they know what you're going after. Go through the extra effort uh, to make sure you, uh, you're laying out the path, the roadmap that they want to align to, and you're driving the direction that they believe is valuable. Uh, you do not want to try and grow against that current, uh, and, and it'll help you a thousand times over uh, to be able to reference back to whether it's a charter or a roadmap or whatever it might be, this is what we're going after, this is why I'm here, this is what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, and, and hold yourself right to that, that marker and let that guide you down the journey because uh, that, that has been the biggest <coughs> clarion call for, for myself and my team and how we move ourselves forward is we're here for this purpose, this is what we're trying to accomplish. That, that goal can change over time, so don't feel like you can't change it, but uh, make sure you maintain that uh, and drive that across your uh, your team. Awesome. Um, well, we should open it up for questions now. Does anybody want to pick their brain? No? Okay. Yeah. I'll ask one. Uh, so we're in the logistics space, and one of the things that's pretty important is the customer experience journey, or journey maps. Um, I was just curious as to whether these tools that you're referring to integrate with with a customer uh, experience journey map, or do you guys have any ideas of what can integrate with that? Uh, so I, I would say yes. I mean, uh, uh, we ourselves, right, or even right now in the midst of reevaluating kind of our customer journey as well, uh, I think that there's, there's huge value in, in identifying where the foundational steps in your stack or process are. So for us, I imagine like most of us, right, a lot of that goes back to our 
like CRM, which becomes our, our system of record. Um, and so then we have definitely moved in that direction of our CRM with our marketing automation, and then uh, you know we're using Gainsight as a customer success tool. All of those things are working together to try and paint that picture and to manage that customer journey, whatever aspect of it we might be talking about. Um, and, and I've found, for the most part, they can be very complementary in terms of how they integrate. Uh, you can always make anything talk to something with enough effort, right? But uh, I think you have to be careful how uh, custom or how heavy you go down some of those paths. Um, I think one of the things that we've done over the last, I would say, nine months or so is just really come to terms with the realization that the customer journey is not linear. Uh, and I think that is probably one of the biggest things that we have to kind of come to terms with is that people can move backwards, they can skip set. You might be dealing with multiple buyers or across the buying journey, and how do you measure that? Um, the thing that I think our at Jelly Vision have come to really, really enjoy is uh, the jobs to be done framework um, about how to actually encourage uh, you know people to buy things uh, and not thinking of it so much as like a linear journey, but as a series of things that they need to accomplish in order to get the deal done. Uh, they can happen not in a sequence; they can happen out of order. Uh, but really, kind of doing that. But to your point, yes, and you're kind of measuring like what defines those things mm -hmm. and integrating that throughout your CRM, even though it's so frustrating. It has to be linear because you have to scroll down. Right, funnel. Yeah, not great. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. funnel like that. Um, but you're going to have to kind of break that habit. Uh, we're trying to do it. It's not. It's definitely not easy. But I think if you were to check that out, you might enjoy uh, some of those insights as well. Thank you. Appreciate it. Any other questions? What does uh, the makeup of your team look like? How uh, did you decide at what point you need this hire or this hire, and then how did you decide how to functionalize or to uh, align your team to certain business leaders? Um, so at the start, I, I had this like really old, there's a lot of typos and stuff, like misspelled kind of proposal to Amanda about what I wanted to do. And I kind of actually laid out the, the, the bones of what I wanted to do. I had a former boss really tell me you fit the people to the structure, not the structure of the people. Uh, I think that's really key here. So you got to think, you know, now and in the future about what your team needs to look like, and then start filling in the heads there. Uh, at Jelly Vision, we have four functional areas. Um, one of them is platforms automation, which I talked about. They own pretty much all of the technical administration of our tools, and kind of the build out and roll out. Um, we've got uh, alignment and execution. Uh, they deal with kind of making sure the sales team knows what to do, and all and marketing is connected. Uh, thirdly is customer insights, the voice of customer and customer experience across the whole journey and measuring it, both quantitative and qualitative. And uh, then lastly, um, Brian runs our uh, enablement revenue strategy team. Um, so it's kind of that four different areas that really feed many different departments. It's super, uh, you know, we have a lot of cross-functional work with many different things as we do. So try to have a little piece of the pie for everyone. Yeah, so maybe just quickly, uh, you know, we, we had to take a, a, a little bit more of a functional approach just because we were trying to stand up and scale at the same time. So uh, a lot of it was, again, based on people. So taking an individual who's really strong and letting him kind of lead and grow this sales ops function. Uh, we obviously then also had to build a, a brand and a lot of demand gen, a lot of other things. So building out this marketing operations function. Uh, and then uh, the other primaries that have sprung up became systems and tools, right? So I also own you know, a lot of our administration and development of those different tools across our stack. Uh, and then um, another one that we haven't talked a lot about is also uh, compensation, right? So I also own all of our incentive compensation. And that one has become even more critical because uh, certainly the, uh, the ways in which you're rewarding and uh, 
recognizing your, your teams and how they're achieving their goals is directly related to what they're focused on and what they're driving for. So that one has become, especially over the last, uh, I would say six months, a, a bigger focus for us as well as we evolved how we approach those things, how we uh, viewed the value of those and how we shifted some of the, the focuses of those individual teams. So both you guys are thinking about <coughs> revenue generation. I'd be curious of one decision you've made, whether it's a tech stack you purchased or a tweak in operations, anything that had the largest return on the investment in terms of top line revenue growth. Uh, so I, I think uh, probably one of the most impactful for us was uh, blowing up and, and restarting the way that we uh, we ask the sales team to to measure and manage their forecasts, right? I think there's always a lot of focus on forecast process, but uh, what we tried to do was uh, sidestep ourselves away from some of that complexity and really, uh, you know, cover your ears, Chris, but, but dumb that process down, right, so that there's uh, a lot less margin of error for where things are sitting, a lot less conversation around is it actually likely or is it not, um, and making sure that the team is really focused on executing the right steps within all the different sales cycles they're managing. Uh, I think that more than anything else has changed the way year over year that our sales organization has driven itself forward, focused on the right things, and, and been able to deliver uh, the revenue to the business. Um, uh, certainly in different organizations, you have different cause for different ways to approach that process, but um, more so than any other process change, uh, that has certainly driven us to alignment on what we're talking about and that, that focus of execution, which is just, uh, you know, it's crystallizing for what that sales rep is trying to accomplish. Um, I think for us, it's really been a push towards uh, automation and like tool harmony, essentially. Um, the ability to have outreach and Salesforce and Marketo and Datafox and Discoverworth all kind of coexist within the same ecosystem. We use a tool called Trade.io if anyone wants to nerd out later. Um, but uh, the ability to sequence more people, offer more consistency, be able to measure more effectively, like having those insights has been a huge like boon for us in terms of getting better ROI. Uh, we're able to have run more effective marketing campaigns, get feedback on where we're spending more, uh, and also just increased velocity of overall meeting set uh, and conversion. I think those are some of those, those big levers and it kind of really has to do with getting all those things kind of together and automating as much as possible to take the inconsistent actions that you're kind of talking to that reps can do. The worst thing you can have happen is have like 12 different people doing 12 different processes and using 12 different kind of quarter of operations, getting that consistent and taking as much um, burden off of their plate because sales is really, really, really hard. Um, we want to make it as easy as possible. at Jelly Vision, we have a CRO, uh, Helen, uh, and myself, 
BPSL's uh, BP of account management all report into her, um, which has been really helpful from an alignment perspective. Uh, I think, uh, so the latter part of your question, and I think uh, Brian has been a huge help on this, is to making sure that customer success isn't living on an island. There's a lot of things that could be kind of translated from the, the, the net new side to the existing, like leading proper discovery calls, learning how to get those mutual action wins. A lot of those things are, it's really about making sure that things are translatable across the entire org and consistent. Uh, for us, I think that is for sure, making sure they don't kind of get siloed off there, bring them in. Yeah, I mean, Chris, you may not know this, but uh, CS rolls up into our CRO as well. Um, <laughs> the, uh, uh, so yes, I mean, I, I think that it's, it's super critical that as you're looking at uh, how you manage your business, the uh, you know whatever you want to consider it, right? Your install base or your your active customer base uh, is a huge asset, and uh, particularly as a SaaS business, right? We we live and die by ARR and what we're trying to drive as a business. Um, you can't afford to to lose that, and um, definitely whether it's sitting off as an island or whether they uh, they they have a focus but it's not tied in. Um, I think that no matter what process you talk about, whether it's forecasting, whether it's KPIs, whether it's um, uh, emergency services, the, uh, <laughs> the main goal here has to be, you know, how do you make sure that the business as a whole is, is holistically looking at what you're managing? So uh, we fairly recently moved our CS team completely under our CRO, and one of the major shifts that we did after that then was uh, instead of separately managing a churn forecast or uh, an upsell forecast, it all came together, right? So when we talk about what are we doing as a business and uh, when our uh, leadership team is coming together and talking about what's happening in a given region, it's not just about what are you gross adding to your business, right? Because uh, top line growth is beautiful and wonderful, but uh, you have to be able to protect that base. And oftentimes, right, your potential to upsell is 100% related to if you have happy customers that don't want to churn. Uh, so uh, a productive and proactive CS team, uh, in many cases, and, and again, you know, oftentimes why this now falls under a revenue organization, are only making life easier for your sales team to go and upsell, to drive more business, uh, and to, to create that virtuous cycle that we're all looking for. Yeah. I'd ask, um, really, as all this is tying in, right, the silos between marketing, sales, Yes, sales ops, it's all its all going away. We all have the same common goal, right? Um, so along the lines of sales enablement, knowing where we are right now, um, I'd love to learn more about how the revenue teams work with sales enablement, if there's like metrics driven behind how coaching and onboarding and continued education works to empower those different teams to continue to be successful and hit set metrics. Great question. Um, I think the, uh, uh, so w when I first started, enablement was part of my organization as well, right? And and, uh, and I mentioned previously that a lot of what we continue to focus on are those core metrics that we decided early on are how do you measure if a, uh, we're supporting and growing new hires and managing and uh, nurturing those who are already here. And, and a lot of that then leads back to, you know, what are your times to sale? You know, how often are we actually going back and touching? Um, and, and re-educating on, on a given topic. 100% uh, uh, self-servicely, the Showpad Coach is a great tool for us to leverage <laughs> to do that. Uh, but, but a lot of it is just about, you know, uh, and, and we have, in fact, now, even though enablement has split off from, from my team, the, um, 
the core focus has been on focusing not just on onboarding, not just on continuing education, but making sure that that team recognizes that those are two very different behaviors. And the motions for how you support that and the things that you need to deliver to facilitate that can be wildly different, right? So even for the same process, the same learning, it needs to be delivered in a different manner. Uh, and so we've, we've actually split that team kind of into two parts now, focused on those two different distinct motions. Um, I think that's been really enabling for them and, and hopefully it's, it's, it's set up uh, new hires and current staff for much more success. Uh, and then I think the other big thing is understanding that, uh, that that journey, just like the ops journey, is never really done. Right? All of us are constantly learning in our roles, as are anyone on the sales team or any other team. Um, and uh, what we trained them on a year ago is probably old and extinct at this point and needs to be refreshed and redone. And um, There's a lot of job security and enablement, if anyone's looking for a new role. But uh, I think that's, that's the direction that you have to support. Right? You have to drive towards how fast do we uh, train people, how fast do we get them out there selling, uh, and then once you have that team on board, a lot of our enablement metrics shift towards are we scaling in the ASPs that those reps who are now onboarded are delivering to the business? Are we speeding up the velocity, right? The days to close that they're accomplishing that on? Um, are we seeing that there's less uh, outreach from those uh, particular sales reps uh, for um, different levers of support internally? Are they able to take on more of that themselves? Uh, and then largely, uh, we also find certainly that you know some of our best reps are lever uh, leveraging our tools in the best way, right? So how often are they using Showpad or how often are they looking at Databox or how often are they using your outreach sequence, whatever it might be. Uh, the only thing I'll add there is that uh, I think we're super, the, the whole concept of enablement I think is in its infancy. I think it's changing really fast. I think uh, the, a lot of the times enablement gets to be synonymous with sales training and some of that, and I think that's actually not where it's going. Uh, Enable it's becoming way more strategic uh, from a strategy perspective as well as just like a process generation perspective. Um, so I, I would expect to see a lot more of that too, um, and I think a lot more focus on being able to amplify their effectiveness by making sure that managers are doing their job consistently across so reps don't have wildly different experiences because you have new hires that go across different managers, you wanna make sure they have a similar onboarding experience uh, and training and, and coaching experience, uh, a lot of them need to be locked up. If managers aren't singing their phrases, something wrong is happening. Awesome, anything else? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so I've been in the workforce for probably like less than two years, and I was wondering if you guys have seen any like big mistakes that people in the field make that you would avoid or give advice into kind of like not letting happen. And sales apps like, mm -hmm. specifically? In this field, yeah. Um, you uh, you should be uh, having an amazing working relationship with sales. A lot of times there can be this friction that exists, and like that is like the wrong approach. It should be like delightful. Like they are our customer. If they don't like you, there's something really really broken. Um, and a lot of times I think the most difficult part is that you're going to do a lot of stuff and it's not going to work. They're not going to get it, and not blaming them. They they just they just hate me. They're not doing it. There's basically three reasons they're not doing it. They don't really get it or understand it. They don't see value in it, uh, or it's just confusing, like you know whatnot. And like that's what you have to solve for. Not necessarily they hate me or they're not doing it. They're lazy. But they're not. You know they just want to make sure they're doing stuff that's uh, uh, beneficial to them. And it's your job to make sure that they're like got it. 
Yeah, I, th I think uh, what I would say is, you know, one of the most common pitfalls I see with some of the, uh, the newer hires that we bring on board is that uh, in, in operations there's a, a huge tendency, right, because there's a lot of balls flying by your head, there's a lot of noise going on. Uh, it becomes very easy to uh, try and either overreach or oversolve or overcommit yourself. Um, and one of the, the biggest, biggie, uh, biggest rookie mistake, and over-engineer as well, uh, one of the biggest rookie mistakes I see is uh, just going down that path, right? And wanting to, uh, you know, foster that relationship and build that forward. You feel like I have to do everything that you ask me to all the time, um, and, and that just doesn't work, right? You have to have priorities. You have to be able to focus and drive things forward. Um, and, and it's actually true at every level across the, uh, the function. Um, as you grow and scale in that career, there's only more noise, there's only more asks, there's only more priorities from different teams, right? And you have to, just like we talked about, try and manage what are those strategic objectives, keep that alignment going, uh, and make sure that you're driving that, that, uh, uh, that, that ball forward for the team, but uh, not letting that noise build up around you and, and drive you down kind of that uh, destructive path, yeah. Saying that with your friend. <laughs> <laughs> Great, well thank you everyone for, thank you guys for sharing your wisdom. Um, you can grab these guys, pick their brains, there's pizza and beer and wine left, and thanks for, thanks for joining us. <laughs>